Rewind with Oshin Langan. Ronaldo's through! Oh, brilliant goal! And Newcastle have doubled their lead and taken this victory in St. James's Park! They deserved the win. I couldn't see if we were not good enough today. We did not do what we could do. And the referee blows the full-time whistle for, and for the first time ever. Bally Bowden St. Enders are the AIB Leinster Senior Club Football Champions. The final score, 2-9 to 111. It's a game Port Leash will wonder how they lost. When we had possession, we won the kick out, Dunham McCabe won the break and gave a great ball up to, up to Sam, who gave it out to Aaron, who was in acres of space and was kind of holding the ball up. And I was like, what are we doing? We, we have a chance to win this. And uh, I was shouting at them, uh, what do you, go for it. Like. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then we got turned over and I was like, oh my God, like we're going extra time. And then the final whistle went and the, the subs ran on and everyone was celebrating and I was just like, did we win the game? I just couldn't believe it. Um, I genuinely thought we were going to extra time. So to win it like that, even sweeter. <laughs> Welcome to the Rewind on News Talk. Today we've got more on everything you just heard, as well as Paddy Mulligan on the Premier League and the performance of Liverpool. And good weekends for Ireland's Glenn Whelan and Harry Arter. We'll also hear from Donna Moyne on their All-Ireland Club final victory over Cork's Mourne Abbey. There's rugby with Pat Lamb as Connacht's walking wounded prepare to face Newcastle next Friday. In basketball, Emma Ryan tells us whether the Hibernia-Ireland experiment worked or can work in the future. And we look ahead to Conor McGregor's Vegas showdown with Jose Aldo. First though, it's Bally Bowden's AIB Leinster Club final victory over Port Leash. 2-9 to 1-11 the final score. Let's hear now from Bally Bowden keeper Paul Durkin, who travelled a long way to be at the game, and we don't mean from Donegal. Port Leash manager Maliki McNulty on losing one they probably should have won, as well as Bowden skipper Darren Nelson, who wasn't quite sure of the score at the end. First up though, it's Bally Bowden manager... Andy McEntee. Well, it certainly seemed to be going one way, then the other, and back again. So, uh, I thought when we when we when we went ahead, I looked at my watch and it was 30 minutes were up, uh, and then they got that free, and I was sure that you know I think most people felt he was probably going to score it. Then they put it wide, then we kicked it out, and I was saying blow your whistle, and he didn't blow his whistle. So, uh, it it certainly had a lot of highs and lows and, and twists and turns. And is this one that you won that? You could have lost. I appreciate that's every game, but they had the chances, and your guys, you took your chances. So that seems like a silly statement, you know, winning one you should have lost, but you've won it. That's all that matters. I suppose that is all that matters. I and mean, you'd have to say we rode our luck a little bit today. I've, I've, I've no, uh, I've no problem admitting that. I think they had chances which they didn't take. I think we had maybe one or two. I think Andy, Andy Karen had a, had a goal chance that went narrowly over, and then we were in. I think for another goal chance, and and the hand pass went astray, but realistically they had the opportunity certainly to force it to extra time you seem to catch them on the break though and you caught them with two goals in the first half Andrew took his well again maybe a bit of luck but nothing lucky about Michael Darren McCauley's no no that was a good a good late run from, uh, from Mick which he does very very well and for a big awkward midfielder he finished it pretty well yeah. <laughs> what did you say to the lads at half time because you were leading but again they probably had the the domination on the possession stakes and the and the stat stakes and you were leading on that scoreboard yeah yeah I'd say we, we were we were leading but we didn't feel like we were playing particularly well to be perfectly honest there was there was a lot of things that uh, that we could have been doing better uh, and we just tried to tried to sort of pinpoint the areas that where they were causing us trouble uh, we tried to tighten up a little bit at the back there a couple of guys were getting on a lot of ball and I guess the key thing for us was, was to stay in that game for, and be there with 10 minutes to go. 
we have a good record uh, all year with you know we've come from behind with 10 minutes to go in a lot of games in Dublin and the fact that we had done that before uh, made it less of a mystery you get the feeling whoever scores next is going to win this one Conlon Keeney hits it long it's one on one inside it's collected by Sam Maloney Maloney puts it outside to Aaron Waters Waters kicks to give Bally Bowden the lead and Waters has scored the point he was down to start he didn't but he may just have finished it Aaron Waters point with three seconds left gives Bally Bowden a one point lead he did he did really well I mean he made a good run just prior to that and he had a good he, he had a good effort at, at a point and it went narrowly wide so I guess he had a chance to sort of gauge his sights a little bit yeah what does this mean to the club because today it was it wasn't, I don't think it was your first Leinster final but it was your first time to win it and maybe at times the pressure got to guys and didn't perform as well as they could have we saw it with Kula last week maybe it affected them maybe it affected you today but you won it and that's the difference yeah well, it is the club's first ever Leinster final so you know for a club the size of Ballyboden uh, they should be contesting uh, Leinster finals on a, on a more regular basis uh, I would say it means a lot to the club I mean I, I really hope you know from a, from a encouraging a lot of the younger guys to come through and we had a couple of guys who were on the minor team last year ended up playing Cali Baskell and, 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 and Shade Clayton who are a huge part of this team so you know with, 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 those, with a conveyor belt of players you want to try and encourage and give them something to aim at and it's a club that I suppose demands success and now you're in with the shout of an All-Ireland well we have a better chance than most I think at this stage so uh, yeah look at I mean you know we, we'll, we'll, we'll change switch our attention now to, to the Ireland semi-final uh, and we'll see how, hopefully we'll see how that goes Andy well done on Dublin well done on Leinster thank you thank you very much Paul Durkin of Ballyboden St Enda's I spoke to you earlier in the year about the amazing achievement that it was to win a Dublin medal which added to your Donegal County title and your All-Ireland uh, title how does it feel to win a Leinster ah, medal yeah it's brilliant you know I'm, I'm uh, sorry I'm delighted for the boys you know they put a bit of big effort in I've been away for the last few months so like I suppose it's been uh, it's been an easy one for me just doing the travelling whereas the lads are the lads are working hard week by week so in fairness to them they uh, they deserved it you know and I'm just I'm very happy to be part of it and like I li- like to thank Bally Bowden especially for giving me the chance you know. McCormick he's in one on one in the square McCormick oh comes off the woodwork and that could be a huge moment here McCormick had the chance he was one on one it opened up for him but he hasn't been able to get the goal and it remains Bally Bowden 2-6 Port Leash 1-9 with 11 minutes to yeah, go yeah he had it, he had it well enough you know but I was lucky enough to get a, get a hand to it so I think it bounced out well for us then and off the post so we were lucky enough but um, then uh, they um, you know they missed two chances at the end there probably that they wouldn't normally miss so we were lucky enough in that way but in fairness the boys worked hard and you know the score they put over to win the game was a serious one You must have been thinking when Cahalan had that free in injury time and if they get it it's an equaliser you must have been thinking okay it's not over yet I mean what were you thinking when it went wide because it took us a second to go hang on a second that went wide Yeah, yeah I was, um, <laughs> so we were just thinking get, I was, uh, get the ball out and get it up the pitch give it a good long kick and we had said to the boys on the line you know maybe just try and break it the other way and get it up the pitch and get, get a score off it you know um, it was close in there it was very hard to handle the ball with the conditions but I thought you know the referee was exceptional like he you know he let the game go and there was a bit of physicality in it so it was a great um, it was a good spectacle for the conditions an All-Ireland title to fight for now will you be around for that because you're kind of coming over and back to play at the moment yeah listen like you know we'll look at it in the new year you know enjoy this tonight and we'll see what happens then so this to be the equaliser it's a pressure kick and it's gone wide and Paul Cahalan 
Well, he may just have kicked the last chance for Port Leash wide. It is the most amazing miss you'll ever see, and you hope for him. It's not Port Leash's last chance because that will haunt him. Maliki McNulty, have Port Leash lost again? They should have won today. Um, God, Oshin, you got me with a, you got me, you got me straight in the hop there. Um, probably so. Look, uh, my head's in a tizzy at the moment, trying to look back at all the different swings and roundabouts in that game and uh, match-winning moments or chances that just weren't taken and things like that. Uh, I suppose the answer to that question uh, would be best answered if you asked me in two days' time. When I've looked at the match maybe three or four times, and uh, that's when I'll probably start kicking myself big time, you know? Mm. The chances he had in the second half especially, I suppose, as you say, when you look back, those are the ones that you'll regret. Were those missed chances down to nerves? Was it down to Valley Bowden being very tight? Was it just down to these things happening in football? It's just these things happening in football. Probably an element of it is the fact that it was a tight game, you know. Uh, so everything was on a knife edge, like it was tit for tat for the whole game, you know, a pint in it, two pints in it. So, you know, it was just that nature of a game. And I suppose you don't take the chances, you don't win the game, you know. I suppose people might have questioned you mentally, having lost a few finals mm. in previous years. But you did look up for it today, and, you know. All told, it was going well. You had the possession, you had the chances. It just didn't quite happen. Yeah, look, Oshin, uh, that wasn't a factor, to be quite honest with you, in our preparation. We were preparing for another team. It didn't matter what county they were from. Uh, we were focusing on our performance and taking the game to them. Uh, and we nearly pulled it off, but nearly isn't good enough, Oshin. Darren Nelson, you have just captained Bally Bowden St. Enders to one of the most dramatic wins that has ever been seen in a Leinster club final. Can you try and sum up your feelings? Um, it's just... Uh, dizziness um, to be honest it'll, it'll take a while to sink in but when the final whistle went and we were celebrating I actually thought we were going to extra time personally so it was a very nice treat to see that we actually won the game um, that's how that's how tight it was and so it was just an unbelievable feeling to for this group of players and the captain it like it's just to win our first Men's senior Lancer Championship is unbelievable. He goes outside to Aaron Waters. He got the point that might have potentially won this one. He's not going to shoot here. He's just going to take the time out of the ball. He's going to keep running down the clock. Waters has it back. Waters. When we had possession, we won the kick out. Dunham McCabe won the break and gave a great ball up to, up to Sam, who gave it out to Aaron, who was in acres of space and was kind of holding the ball up. And I was like, what are we doing? We, we have a chance to win this. And uh, I was shouting at him, uh, what did go for it? Like, yeah. And then, uh, and then we got turned over, and I was like, "Oh my God! Like we're going extra time." And then the final whistle went, and the, the subs ran on, and everyone was celebrating. And I was just like, "Did we win the game?" Yeah. I just couldn't believe it. Um, I genuinely thought we were going to extra time. So to win it like that is even sweeter. Because <laughs> it was an odd kind of game, and I suppose it was one of those games where there was a feeling of urgency throughout, right from the first minute, and it just never dropped. That level of intensity, that level of, of panic, almost. It kind of looked out there like neither team kind of knew what was going to happen next and I appreciate that sounds silly considering it's live sport but but it just looked kind of crazy out there um, it was kind of like end to end um, you know any time we, we got a score they would come up and get a score and it was not that it was a bit all over the place it wasn't any structure but like um, you know it was just a really open good game of football um, I, I can't wait to watch it back like uh, just Hopefully the fans enjoyed it, but like, because we definitely, definitely enjoyed it. Um, have you won one that maybe you should have lost, though? Have we won one that maybe should have lost? Yeah. I don't think so. Um, you know, like you can say that they hit the post in the last few minutes and missed an easy free. But like we, we've we've grinded games out the last few minutes. Um, like if we were a point down, we had the possession. Like like I thought we were. Yeah. We we could have got a score there at the end. Um, 
so we we do grind games out um, it kind of reminded me of the Clontarf game in the semi-final where you were under pressure throughout but you just kept your heads used yeah. the ball well I don't, home. I don't think I know you said there was maybe like a look panicked out there but like maybe we on weren't panicked on both sides maybe yeah but like until the final whistle goes there's always time in a tight game like that to get a, to get a score or to get a, to win a free or it's just I still can't sum it up yeah, it's unbelievable is there a lot of relief as well because it, it doesn't matter how much experience you guys have individually and as a team when it's your first time to do something it's probably more difficult and it probably means more as well yeah definitely um, you know we were coming this is our first ever Leinster, Leinster final um, so we were coming into into a match that we haven't been involved obviously you know it is a match at the end of the day and that's what we try, how we try to approach it but um, yeah we probably were maybe a bit nervous coming into the game because we haven't been here before um, but just yeah just to come through with this I still, I, like, I honestly I still can't believe yeah. I genuinely thought we were going to extra time there and I just still can't believe it <laughs> honestly I can't like. listen go and watch the video if you can enjoy the night tonight but an amazing game and you know what having had the, the pleasure of sitting back and watching it from a nice camp position and I'm a total neutral here today that game was a blur to me so I can only imagine what it's like to you guys yeah yeah and I will definitely go watch it back we'll pull on the club and enjoy it and watch it over the Christmas and I will definitely be be one for the one for the history books anyway well done Tara and since you're wearing the Santa hat happy Christmas happy Christmas to you cheers this is the Rewind on News Talk and that was a great day in Tullamore for Bally Bowden who beat Port Leash in the Leinster final now the season isn't done yet next weekend Tier Connell Gales of London host Clonmel commercials in the All-Ireland Club quarter-final. We'll review that next Monday. The Premier League now and former Chelsea Crystal Palace West Brom and Ireland fullback Paddy Mulligan joins us as always. Paddy, Liverpool losing 2-0 away to Newcastle at St James's Park. What happened to the Reds? Didn't show up. Thought that, uh, uh, believed everything that's been uh, written about them in the past week. Um, desire wasn't there yesterday. They, I, I thought watching the match that, uh, that Liverpool players felt that they could go and win this game at any given uh, moment. But of course it doesn't happen. You've got to, you got to earn that right. And Newcastle were in all mood yesterday to, 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 to give them any space. They denied them space. They, uh, and Liverpool thought they could just go and cru- uh, cruise through it and got a very, very rude awakening. And uh, an awful lot of Liverpool players were found out yesterday. So Mr Klopp now has a... If he, if he thought the job was big, it's absolutely massive. And... Uh, there's no way around that Benteke was, was uh, I thought he was a thundering disgrace yesterday. Firmino, the very same. Didn't do anything. Luke has just started off the game, giving the ball away, and continuously just did it uh, throughout, the, throughout the game. Um, Milner really should have been in, in a more central position and wasn't. He, he played him uh, in a wide position. Milner, is, to me, is, is, is finished as a wild player. Um, and he needs to be in a more central position. Coutinho was badly lost, but look, they have to, they have to put up with these things. Sturridge came on and looked totally disinterested. Whether he's moody because he didn't start, which would have been a big ask because he, he, he's, he's been out for so long, injury, and he has to be, he has to be treated with kid, uh, with kid gloves. But they've got, uh, they've got, they've got uh, massive problems. And, and now, having said all of that, uh, Moreno got a perfectly good goal that was dis- disallowed. Only the linesman knows why he put the flag up because he, he, was, well, he was well onside. Um, and that, but that would, have, that would have covered a multitude of, of sins and... and uh, but uh, Klopp uh, will now have to get to work very, 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 very hard on on, uh, on these Liverpool players because they never played with any pace or intensity throughout the game yesterday. They actually allowed New- Newcastle were poor. Let's be very clear about that. But Liverpool were uh, allowed themselves to be dragged down 
to, to Newcastle's uh, standard. And that's, that's bad news. Is this where Jurgen Klopp's work really starts? Because when a new manager comes in, there's always a bounce. Well, on most occasions, there's yes. a bounce. Yeah, yeah. And players work that bit harder. They run that bit harder. They make that bit more effort. Whereas now, he's just the manager again. And now, yeah. this is where we see the Klopp magic. Now, we see the Gegen pressing, as he calls it. And he said it himself after the game yesterday. We didn't press. Didn't press at all. I mean, they just they just strolled around the pitch. There was no, uh, uh, I said a few seconds ago, there was no pace or energy to the game, good, bad, or indifferent, and and uh, that would be very disappointing for for Klopp because he likes to win the win the ball back very early. If he can win it, the further up the pitch that he wins, I, I cast my mind back to the Man City game when Coutinho won the ball off, off Sanya, uh, thirty yards from the City goal. Not once in the whole game yesterday did they did they do that against Newcastle. That that's a huge area of concern. Firmino just went missing. Benteke went missing. And, and and when you have those players, Lucas was was missing for 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 long periods of the game, and and it, it's you know he he has a he has a, he has a job, but I think that Klopp has always known this. I think he's too clever a man not to have recognised this. And yes, he was he was building the players up, and he has to go and do that, and he'll, he'll still have to do it uh, until he gets the, the people in that he wants. So uh, um, the honeymoon period is over for everybody, for the players, and 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 for Klopp now. Everybody has to start singing from the same hymn sheet. If not, they're going to be in trouble. A lad came on yesterday and his touch, it was like an elephant. He just couldn't control the ball. And his touch is normally excellent. Yeah. But he was, he, it was dreadful. Do you have I'd, these days sometimes? I'd, it just doesn't yeah, happen. And it I'd happens every final, team. Yeah, but I was final ball yesterday. Yeah. Throughout the game, was poor. You know, he, was, he was running up cul-de-sacs. Uh, never, never got his head up where normally he is, and I, I happen, I, I like Ivan. I think he's, 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 he's got, he's got the potential to be a smashing player, but he's got to learn very, very quickly. There are times when you just don't run with the ball to just give it, make a new position for yourself. And Klopp has got to. I know he's only a young lad, but Klopp has got to teach him this and teach and teach it quickly. But yes, I take your point, Oshin, that yesterday day is when, 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 the, when, when you just have an off day. But they had an off day against Crystal Palace as well a few weeks back at Anfield. And they got very, very lucky against Swansea at Anfield. So it's not just a question of just one off day. Uh, this, this, this was a, an accident waiting to happen. And, and I spoke about it on, on, on Friday and I, I, I fancied Liverpool to win. But I put in the imp- improvisation that I'm very, very concerned. And yesterday at, at, at about a quarter past three, 45 minutes before kickoff, the more I thought about it, the more I thought Newcastle are, are, are they're not that bad. Uh, they're not not a great team, but they're not that bad. And on the law of averages, they will get a they will get a, get a win at some point. And and Liverpool, of course, with the Patsies yesterday, they're going and and present them with a with a with a very very handy uh, three points because Liverpool did, I think they had one shot on target in the 89th minute. So that's that's no way to go and play a game. Regards yeah. Steve McLaren. I mean, because it's Steve McLaren, he's this kind of character that people like to have a go at. People don't want to give him the chance. Does he deserve some credit for what he's doing at Newcastle? Well, when yes, you consider? He, set up, he set up the team very, very well yesterday. I mean, they 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 defended as if their lives depend on it, and 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 to a great degree, their footballing lives uh, did depend on it yesterday. Because I I watched them against Crystal Palace last Saturday week, and if Liverpool were bad yesterday, well, Newcastle were a thundering disgrace against Palace because they just never tried a leg, and, and and even though they got a goal after ten minutes, uh, um. To, from Cissé uh, to put them in the lead at 1-0 but Palace then just absolutely yeah. steamrolled them and destroyed them and and, and uh, I'm sure that, that uh, 
McLaren was smarting from that and that he, 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 had, he had words with his players. Now, the word was that they had words with, uh, with the players and, and, and uh, there was some language used. And Apparently, McLaren swore, which he never likes to do, and he it, said this publicly. Yes, I swore, well, I broke my own rule. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know, what, I don't know what dressing room he's been in all of his lifetime because yeah. I, I've never heard anybody put swear <laughs> in dressing rooms. But uh, look at it, that's the way, that's the way he wants to, wants to behave. That's, that's fine, there's no, there's no problem with that. Um, but he, he, um, he got out of jail yesterday big yeah. time. But now they've got spores next weekend. Now they've got to try at least get a point from, from White Hart Lane and that's going to be a big, big ask for them. And that game is live and exclusive on Off The Ball next Sunday. It kicks off at four o'clock. Um, let's talk about both Manchester United and Chelsea. We've talked about their issues so far this season. Uh, those issues were to the fore again this weekend. Chelsea losing 1-0 at home to Bournemouth. We'll talk about the performance of Harry Arthur in a second because he was really good in that game. Manchester United drawing nil all at West Ham. Their own fans shouting attack, attack. Their own fans getting very frustrated. United... Apparently, we're reading reports today. Obviously, they're not going to say anything official as a club, but they apparently aren't interested in Pep Guardiola, even if he becomes available in the summer. Chelsea sticking by their man Jose Mourinho for the moment, despite another loss. But do you think it it could become a tug of war or or a tug of cash as to who gets Pep in the summer? Because apparently, he he's done with Bayern at the end of this season. Yeah, which seem which seems a bit strange that uh, with Pep Guardiola uh, that that he would want to come to the Premiership, but. Uh, I, I think the team who could be in pole position would be City. But City are, are, are after getting in, I think, I think are in the process of getting in, I think, new owners, uh, some Chinese consortium. And, and they're going to they're gonna rule the roots from a financial viewpoint. So if, if uh, and, and finances talk these days, if they, if, if they do uh, come on board, well then City, City could be so far ahead of everybody else in the Premier League that, it, you know, it, it just won't be worth playing. Um but it's 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 going to be interesting times ahead because City then will be able to buy just absolutely everybody and anybody that they want. But having said all of that, that won't necessarily follow that they're going to be successful because they have a great squad at this moment in time. They're playing dreadful, and as soon as the likes of company uh, goes missing from the, from the back, he's out injured at this moment in time. They, they look what, clueless on Saturday. They don't, they don't know Stoke. what to do. They look clueless. I mean, Sanya was caught twice for the two goals with the same run from Mirovic. And he never, he never, he never, he never learned from the first mistake. Then he goes and lets Anatovic go and go past him again on a run. I just can't, for the life of me, figure that one out. For such an experience, it was a young lad of eighteen, nineteen years of age. You say, right, he's ball watching and he's been caught. But Sanya is a very experienced player. He's been at Arsenal. He's another top club in Man City, and he and he gets caught on the run. You know, the rule of thumb is you go with the runner and you see the run off, and if if nothing comes, but brilliant, you've done your job defensively. He never even attempted to go and do that. So they've got huge problems. They've got huge problems in midfield. They've got problems up front without without Aguero. Silva was just back from injury on Saturday, and 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 was very very tentative in his play. So so City have have have, have big problems. Now, now Stoke could have won by four or five. Yeah. City made Stoke look better than what they actually are. City made Liverpool look better than what they actually are. Um, about three weeks ago, when 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 Liverpool went to the Etihad and and hammered them four four one, but, but but City contributed their own downfall again from a defensive viewpoint. Again, again, uh, Demi Kelly, Salah, Mendy, they don't know where they're. Yeah. Sanya, 
Uh, and Kolarov is not the best defender in the world. He's smashing it going forward. But he, so you've got a back four there who can't defend. Though they're always liable to give give away goals, and that's the, that's the situation that City are in. And I'm sure that Pellegrini is praying that company, you know, comes back from injury and stays injury free for the rest of the season. Otherwise, you know, you, you can forget about City. I, I tip City at the start of the season. I'll still stay with them, but you can forget about them if they continue on in, in, in this vein because they've just got nothing nothing going for them at all. And Glenn Whelan worked incredibly hard in the centre for Stoke in that oh, game. Oh, Glenn Whelan has, has, been, has been smashing it as he has been for Ireland. He's been, he's been, he's been excellent. No, he, he, he does, he, he has a thankless task in the Stoke City uh, setup and in, in, the, in, in the Irish setup. And so much that he's, he's, the, he's the man who plays in front of the back forward and wins the tackles and gives the simple ball. By and large, he, he, he goes and does that. And he's an unsung hero. He, he, he's, he's, been, he's been excellent down the years. And I mean, it was no surprise that uh, when Tony Poulos went to West Brom, that the first man he wanted yeah. to go and get was Glenn Whelan. Why do you think people are so hard on him? I don't think, I'm not so sure that some people understand exactly what the, the modern role is. I mean, in, in, in the era that I played, and you wouldn't even think of having a, 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 a defensive uh, midfield player playing in front of you. But that's, that's the way the modern game has gone. I don't think the people who criticise well, I don't think understand exactly what, what his role is. Yeah. And he's there to break up play, win the ball and give it uh, to the nearest man in a green shirt or in a red and white shirt, whichever, whichever, whichever club or country that he's playing for. And, that, uh, and he does that exceptionally well. Yeah. He does the simple thing and he does it well. And that's always the rule of thumb. Do the simple thing and do it well and you've got a great chance of, of playing well. And that's what he, and that's what he does. I mean, look at look at how frustrated he was being taken off by by Martin O'Neill uh, against Bosnia with seven minutes to go, which I think was a, a bit of a daft substitution anyway. But however, uh, but look, just just look how annoyed he was. That's what that's what you want from players. Brilliant. It is the rewind on News Talk. We're talking with uh, Paddy Mulligan, formerly of Ireland, and Paddy. Uh, let's keep it with Ireland, but also kind of the Premier League. Uh, we're, we're we're linking the two. Harry Arter does the things that the fans do see that maybe. Excellent. You know Excellent. That they don't see with Glenn Whelan. Yes. He he gets on the ball. He passes the and ball. He gives it, he and he gives it. And he did it so yeah. well against yeah. uh, Chelsea in Stamford Bridge oh, on he was Saturday. Brilliant. He was brilliant uh, against Chelsea last Saturday. When you when you when you look at the midfielders that he was up against as well. I mean, high quality midfielders: Matic and and, and Fabregas, Hazard, Oscar. I mean, these these are smashing players on on their day. Right, they're not having their day, uh, the day at this moment in time. But take nothing away from Harry Arthur. That was brilliant, and it's great. Uh, and it's great for Ireland. That if he's gonna if he's gonna continue on uh, in that rich vein of form for the rest of the season with, with Bournemouth, well then happy happy days for Ireland. It, it gives uh, it gives Martin O'Neill a problem, but it's a it's a wonderful problem to go and have. Where he, would you play Harry Arthur in this Ireland team? Well, I'd play him in the very same position as he's playing now for for, for Bournemouth. Play him right in the, right in the centre of midfield. You have to play him in there beside Glenn Whelan. Yeah. Uh, if, ne- yeah, if necessary, I mean Glenn Whelan will yeah. do all the all the all all the donkey work if you like. Let Harry Arthur get off and play. Then you've got James McCarthy in there as well. So you go kind of with a, a three-man you could, midfield. You could, you could go with a three-man midfield in there, very, very, very easy. And have Jonathan Walters out wide on the right as well. Then you've got Robbie Brady on the left. You've got your one man up front. So it's, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be great. Yeah. Because, because this is this is what Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane need. They need to have options, and the more options they have, the better. Yes, it's going to cause them problems, but it's a headache any manager would love to have. And Alan Judge U, U playing U well these, again. Yes, you have these players coming in and and and, 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 and you know in, in, in top form. Excellent. This is going to be fun, isn't it, from here to the Euros, debating who should and who shouldn't who, play. Yeah, yeah. Like a guy will have one good game and we'll go, God, he's brilliant. He yeah. should be playing. Yeah. I noticed over the weekend, oh, no, Will we... Keane, a guy who's on loan 
to Preston, I think it is, scored against Burnley, playing against his brother Patrick, who's moved there uh, permanently. And I, I made note that he was Irish qualified. He's played underage for England. Yeah. He's made no secret, to be fair to him, that he wants to play for England. But I just mentioned, you know, this guy qualifies for Ireland. His of dad course. is from yeah, Dublin. Well, yeah. well, people, I mean, uh, uh, the scouting staff... Uh, with the Republic of Ireland should be keeping an eye and I'm sure they are keeping an eye on, on all of these players and because Arnie Arthur played well last, last, last Saturday all he's done is he's played very well against Chelsea now you've got to play well in every game Start and play and play even better and have a have a have a gradual improvement and if that if that happens well then he's in with a shout and and, and that's 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 the same for any of the players. Do players know when it's coming up to a major tournament that they need to up it or do, does it give them something extra like when you realised that Ireland management were watching you unfortunately you didn't play in a major tournament when you knew Ireland games were coming up did it, oh, yeah, did gave it do you something extra, for your... oh, oh okay. yeah I gave you an extra bounce there's no question about that because because you wanted you wanted to impress if anybody was watching uh, involved in the Irish setup, you wanted to impress and then when you when, when you got in, into the into the training camp you also you, you, you broke your neck in training as well uh, wanting to say look at I'm I'm the man for this job so of course yeah, it gives you it gives you a great incentive great boost and this time next week, we will know who Ireland play at Euro yeah, 2016. Yeah, the draw, draw next Saturday, isn't it? Who do you want? And I don't care, really, to be honest with you. I never, I never bother about yeah. what, what, what the opposition throws up. I couldn't care less. Even, even when, uh, in the last time that, they, uh, that, that Ireland uh, qualified, that Spain, Italy and Croatia. So what? You've got, to, you've got to go and deal with these teams. And it's a wonderful experience, the pitcher wits against the best in the world. And, 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 and look at the group that Ireland were in the last time. Spain and Italy getting to the final and Spain yeah. winning it. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't want that again. But, but look, at, you shouldn't, you shouldn't bother. It shouldn't bother you too much as to what the opposition is. They have to, you have to get out and you have to perform against them, yeah. whether you like it or not. So don't get negative about the thing. You know, embrace it. You're in a European champion, uh, championship finals. Go and embrace every moment of it and go and give everything that you've got to the best of your ability in each of those games and you won't be far off uh, coming out of that group. And it's a really exciting time. I mean, it's great to have positivity from here until oh, the summer brilliant. because when we don't qualify, it's kind of like, oh, we have to wait so long and it's and negative. It been, it and it does been, football no good in the course, country. And it would have been, been far worse with England being there and with the Welsh being there, with Northern Ireland being there. Yeah. And then, we, then we, we were the ones, Scotland missed out, of course, but then we were the ones who were going to miss out as well. So it, it, it's wonderful that, that uh, the Republic are there and, and, and uh, the fans are going to enjoy it and we're going to enjoy it at home here. And you look at Oshin, the, the job you're going to have in the summer, it's going to be, it's going to be fabulous. So you have, yeah. to, you have to look forward to it. It, 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 it gives you something to really to, to go and look forward to and, and, and pitch your wits against the very best in, in, in Europe. It's going to be smashing. And thus begins the debate, depending on what county you're from, for me, it's Waterford. Would you rather Ireland to win the Euros or Waterford to win the All Ireland? I leave that what debate. Would you, what, what would you? We leave the debate till next week. Paddy Mulligan as I'm always. I'm greedy. I'm greedy. I'd like, to, I'd like to win the two. You'd like Galway to win the double and Ireland to win the Euros. Paddy Mulligan as always. Thanks for joining us on the Rewind Podcast. My pleasure indeed, Oshin. Thank you. Rugby now. Munster have had a horrible run into their Champions Cup match with Leicester at Thoman Park next Saturday night, losing 22-6 to the Dragons in Wales. Uh, the Reds match against the Tigers, by the way, next weekend is live on Off the Ball here on News Talk. As is Connor. Challenge Cup clash with Newcastle on Friday night. Pat Lamb side second in the Guinness Pro 12. They picked up a bonus point in a loss to Cardiff at the Arms Park over the weekend. 20 points to 16 the final score but the injuries are beginning to mount up for the Galway base side. After the Cardiff match Pat Lamb spoke 
with Rob Murphy. We came into this game with 16 guys out and it looks like you know we've had some pretty uh, bad ones here today. It's still early days but you know Quinn Roo doesn't look great and one you know possible broken bone there. Mm. Um, you know uh, Owen McEwen's uh, uh, elbow uh, to losing Kieran Mami and, and Craig Ronaldson and Craig Early which was a, was a HIA failed that test and Kieran and uh, there was a big you know Ian Porter's ankle as well. Um, so, you know, yeah, John Cooney is a bit concerned, John Cooney, Porter and uh, Marmin. Um, but, you know, um, so we'll just have to reassess. And uh, But we'll say um, I'm mighty proud of, uh, you know, the, when you have to readjust. And uh, I don't think many teams could, you know, handle a, 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 um, an adjustment like that and still be in a chance to win the game. And we had some chances there. But ultimately, we, we put ourselves in a bit of a dogfight. You know, we had the chances and we didn't and we didn't nail it. Yeah, so we just like something like 469 meters of ball and hand gains for Connacht during the game, and there was lots of others. 26 major uh, tackles beaten. Yeah. But you know, the negative side of things is the amount of errors, the amount of handling errors. Yeah. The stats on that are going to be pretty harsh. Yeah, it? it is. I mean, just just being clinical and being able to finish finish it off. Mm. Um, so is that tiredness from what they've gone through in the last week? Well, you know, the, you know, I think it's uh, you know a bit of pressure to Carter, but you know, we, there's been. Um, you know, certainly uh, takes its toll game after game, but um, I think uh, you know the, they, they rushed up on us and we had um, we, you know, we had chances to finish, but we didn't. So um, yeah, at the end there we could have we could have snuck it away when I think when Bundy made the break and mm. um, I think uh, Alex Cuffett, uh you know flew up and we stepped inside but we lost the ball. And then we had a chance. Certainly, the the, the game breaking moment, to, the opportunity, the best opportunity we had was that more just before um, the end, and um, and we turned the ball over. So that was probably the uh, the story. You have to look at Newcastle now with a hell of a lot of injuries. Yeah, it is. It's tough because you only got uh, so many registered players, and um, you know we got a, that that injury toll is mounting up, and uh, so um, you know it's uh, it's going to be um, uh, an interesting week on Monday and see who's who's left standing. Do you feel the players are going to be pragmatic about the things that went against them here, or are they just really disappointed to lose that lose uh, that winning streak? Like? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we are, we are. I think, uh, but you know, it's, we we missed the outcome, but we just go about the process. We talked about in the change room, you know. So I'm proud that we dug in there and uh, under the circumstances of the injuries. But you know, we'll, we'll go through and look at what we did well, and there's some good things we did, but certainly the areas we can improve, and, and we all know what they are. This is the rewind on news talk, and that was Connor coach Pat Lamb speaking to Rob Murphy. They've got a long injury list ahead of next Friday night's Challenge Cup encounter with Newcastle that's live on Off the Ball MMA now and next weekend Conor McGregor battles Jose Aldo in Las Vegas a broadcaster and journalist Marco Tool is taking some time out from packing ahead of that fight and his trip to it uh, Mark you followed McGregor from the start of his career you were in Sweden for his first breakthrough bout in the USA uh, on a scale of 1 to 10 how excited are you about this one? Um, well, look, I think it's the biggest fight in uh, the UFC's uh, calendar year this year. So, I mean, if you are a UFC fan, if you're a mixed martial arts fan, if you're a bit of an event junkie, uh, this uh, coming weekend is going to be uh, the biggest one of the year and uh, made all the more so bigger by the fact that we've been building up uh, to this event for a year. We thought we were going to get it in the summer. We're now going to get it uh, this weekend. And uh, I can't wait. Two great fighters uh, with two undefeated records in the UFC going head to head uh, what's not to like Is there a worry that because we're building it up so much it will ultimately be a disappointment 
Um, this tends to be like a narrative that we get like in a lot of uh, different big events, whether it's a, an FA Cup final, a Champions League final, World Cup final, a boxing match, uh, Mayweather Pacquiao being a prime example of that. Um, I suppose what the UFC sell, sells itself as is a, as an overall promotion rather than, uh, uh, you know, a, a, an entire card being predicated over the outcome of one fight. Uh, um, um, and Conor McGregor has invariably delivered in each of his fights. Each of them have been ex- uh, exciting. Uh, some of them have been short, but have been exciting. But uh, they've all been big events uh, surrounding the personality of Conor McGregor, who's been able to build it up. But if it was going to be a, uh, if it was by some fluke or by some chance, I, I don't see happening for reasons we'll get on in, in terms of both the fighters' styles, um, a bad fight. Well, there's an, another middleweight UFC uh, championship fight on the card between uh, Chris Weidman and Luke Rockhold, which loads of people have been looking forward to for years. And then underneath that, again, is uh, Damian Maya versus Gunnar Nelson, who, of course, has uh, fought uh, out of Ireland, who is nearly You mean Irish our- Gunnar? Gunnar Nelson. Irish Gunnar Nelson from Iceland, uh, but uh, who who has fought multiple times in Ireland is a big sparring partner mm-hmm. of Connor's, and that's another exciting fight against Damian Maya, and has been one MMA purist have been looking forward to for a long time. But I think due to Jose Aldo's and Conor McGregor's fighting styles, we're going to see a pretty spectacular fight that might end very early in the fight. Talk to me about their styles and what will make it an exciting fight because of the styles. Yeah, so I suppose when we were building up to uh, Conor McGregor's fight against Chad Mendes, where he won the interim uh, featherweight belt, of which he is now going to try unify against Jose Aldo, um, we what made Conor's win that night all the more impressive was it was against a different style of fighter to what Jose Aldo was. Um, Chad Mendes will take someone down, wrestle them, and grind the win out of them, um, and occasionally hit uh, an overhand, uh, an overhand right, which is very heavy hands but what Jose Aldo has is a lot more different come forward Muay Thai style of fighting and um, he has more variation in his striking than Chad Mendes as well as a very good ground game perhaps not as good in the wrestling as Chad Mendes who is a, an elite wrestler but like certainly in terms of Brazilian jiu-jitsu he's a black belt he's got brilliant takedown defense not that Conor McGregor will probably go for the takedown Conor will look to keep it standing so we're going to have two strikers that are without a doubt among the elite in the UFC across any division fighting against each other um, Connor is perhaps a little bit more different in terms of the angles he makes but Jose Aldo isn't really known for taking backward steps so I think we're going to see a clash in this first round and a lot of it will be how that clash will uh, what, what outcome there will be uh, will be predicated on what the mentality of the two fighters will be coming in. Will Connor uh, look to take the initiative as he did with Chad Mendes with a spinning kick or will he try to feel him out will Jose Aldo uh, will all the taunts that Conor McGregor has been uh, lobbing his way throughout the entire year force him to come out I think that would be a bad choice because Conor is very good at just stepping to the side making an angle and hitting him with that like unbelievable uh, southpaw uh, 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 left I, 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 I don't know but like these are going to be very interesting questions Styles makes fights and this is going to be I think one that will be very interesting on the feet and uh, I think both men are going to try and make a point Now what about Conor McGregor's preparations I know you've been speaking to him and spending some time around the camp in recent weeks I'm just reading an article from The Sun today in their UFC 194 countdown regarding uh, preparation and what the Notorious can learn from Ronda Rousey, who of course was beaten. 
He said, I recently watched Rocky 3. At the start, he has a mansion, seven cars, and this robot that brings him coffee. He's doing ads and talk shows, but he's getting sloppy and lazy. But James Clubber Lang is in a dark alleyway, sprinting, calling shots. I smiled watching that because I'm like Rocky 3. I have the big houses, I have the cars, but at the same time, I'm like Clubber Lang. I'm training like Clubber, but I'm living like Rocky. Rhonda maybe didn't focus as much on her training, but I'm living good and training hard. Yeah, I, I suppose in terms of Connor's mentality, um, I think we'd be making a false equivalency if we if we if we compared him with Ronda Rousey. Ronda um, did have a circus around her uh, that has been building and building for a long, long time. Um, but Connor's had this since nearly a second fight in the UFC in Boston. He had the dimmed lights coming out in, in on the preliminary card in Boston, um, probably two and a half, three years ago now. Um, Connor is always kind of and that's why we're attracted to him uh, sought to bring attention to himself he's used to it now uh, it, 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 to a point where maybe Ronda Rousey at various times seemed a little bit distracted and um, also we have to go back to this summer where Connor had a very difficult camp had a serious knee injury had to plan with two weeks notice for a totally different type of opponent and beat that opponent in two rounds as he predicted so uh, this fight camp will be uh, seems to have gone a lot smoother and um, let's see how Connor's uh, knee is Connor like will it be a, has it recovered fully I I, I don't know um, it, it probably has there's been uh, no bad stuff coming out of the camp uh, about about the leg recently which is good because uh, one thing to watch out for Jose Aldo is his notorious leg, leg kicks and uh, Jose has said he he will try break his leg with those leg kicks um, but I feel like Connor is well able to to kind of keep things calm and collected and unlike Rocky and Rocky 3 Connor is not changing his coach he's got the same people around him uh, since the very start well, he didn't so change been... poor Mickey passed away well, well, look. I mean, Apollo Creed brought a different, uh, a different, uh, different level of fighting to uh, to um, to Rocky's uh, style. But uh, Connor has been always a bit of a self-starter and motivator. He's always been able to change up his style quite a lot. I even saw today that he was training with longtime uh, training partner Gunnar Nelson, who we mentioned is going to be on the card too, and Ido Portal, who is um, a movement coach, if you believe it or not, based out of London, who's notorious uh, worldwide for his work. Um, and they've been trying some different things uh, recently in camp so um, Connor's constantly looking to evolve he's constantly interested in terms of how he changed his game changes his game I see even his long-term coach John Kavanagh has been talking about uh, after his last loss uh, over five years ago against uh, Joe, Joseph Duffy uh, Connor all of a sudden decided well you know I can't just be a striker I've got to get into uh, my Brazilian jiu-jitsu and my ground game and now Connor is a very elite brown belt in that so uh, uh, it, it's always interesting to see what Connor adds to his game from fight to fight and I think he'll be trying some new stuff out uh, this weekend too I was listening to a podcast in the last couple of hours actually and Cale Sonnen was speaking on it he said that you know they're talking big both Aldo and McGregor but they're both afraid they're both really afraid that they're going to lose this fight he said most guys go into a fight and you're convinced because they're convinced that they're going to win he said that's not the case he said both guys think they're going to lose yeah like I mean I put very little store in terms of even when he was still fighting by what Chael Sonnen would say I'd say the point the main 
point or takeaway from anything that Chael Sonnen would ever say is that Chael Sonnen is trying to draw attention to himself. So um, I wouldn't put anything by it. Uh, both these guys have been undefeated uh, in the UFC. Jose Aldo has been the champ since uh, the, the WEC was absorbed into the UFC. Um, these guys have been there and done that. You know, they're they're not going to be scared of each other. They certainly, I think, in terms of how they're they're talking and um, not an elite a- athlete, but uh, they both sound very confident in in, in themselves. Um, I mean, even if you take, I think, Chael in that podcast um, kind of singled out a quote from Connor about how Connor talked about how losing is was able to help him, and Chael's said this shows that he's afraid. Well, then you can go back to Muhammad Ali saying something along similar lines of only a champion knows uh, that knows loss can dig deep down to find that extra level of strength. So I think just yeah. uh, I wouldn't put much uh, much store by what Chael's saying. You there. know, I'm glad you brought up uh, Muhammad Ali because Dave Hannigan wrote an excellent article in the Irish mm-hmm. Times, I think, last week comparing McGregor and Ali and you know what I know a lot of people listening to this right now are probably going to say that's absolutely ridiculous and I had the same thought until I actually read it because Dave has built up enough store that you know you you read his articles and he is actually after hitting the nail on the head there are many comparisons and it was a very interesting read Mark just before I let you go it is prediction time who's going to win this and why? Um, before the summer, I, I I would have said it was going to be a very close fight, and I uh, probably and, and I, I oscillated between both both different fighters at various stages. After the summer, and how convincing Conor beat Chad Mendes at short notice in two rounds. Uh, the last time Jose Aldo had a war with uh, with uh, Chad Mendes in his last fight, which is over fifteen months ago. I think he might be a bit ring rusty. It's hard getting back under those lights again. Um, himself and Chad went the full distance. I, I think Connor Connor's striking is unlike anything else uh, that we have ever seen in the UFC. And Connor's uh, striking coach, Owen Roddy, um, uh, made an excellent point that Connor only needs to hit you once in twenty in twenty five minutes of a five round championship fight. Um, I like those odds for Connor because he will hit you once. He will find that one way. So I'm going to go for Connor by TKO. Mark, enjoy Las Vegas. Thanks for joining us on the Rewind podcast here on News Talk. That's Mark. O'Toole, broadcaster and journalist on MMA. Thanks, Oshin. Basketball now, and over the last six weeks, a representative club called Hibernia Ireland played in the Europe Cup, which is basically basketball's version of the Europa League. The best players from around the Super League were picked to play, and they were put together to play these six games. Um, they lost all six, but after such a long absence from European competition, was it a worthy experience, and what can we learn from it? Emmett Ryan of the Sunday Business Post and the Ball in Europe website uh, spoke to us about it. Well, one or two of the games I was worried about going into them as in before it all started out, but I figured there'd be one or two games where they put up a, a good fight, like have a reasonable chance of staying close. But uh, yeah, we were, there were six slaughters. There's no dancing around it. Like There were six games where it was clear from pillar to post that they were just not in the same level. And I suppose it shows the nature of the problems we have development-wise here in Ireland in that We've had five years of no international play at all. So we've been sort of this proper island in terms of sporting size, very insular, not really getting to see what's happening on the continent. And so you come back, you play against full-time pros where you've got players like Conor Grace, who's one of our most experienced players ever, got off work at 4pm with the day one of the games he was playing at 7.30. Whereas, you know, he's taken on a full-time pro team who's flown over from Denmark that day. So you look at that and you're kind of going, do they really have a chance to begin with? We knew that it was going to be tough. We knew that there would probably be six losses. We thought maybe they might win one at home. Um, but it's not all negative. No, no. But that's only the case if you choose to work on the negatives and ter- turn them into positives. So what, what can they work on immediately ahead of next year's tournament, pre- 
providing they're back in it. I, I'm not sure what the situation is. Yeah, well, I, I'm pretty confident they're open to going back into it. So they've got a choice, though, to make is do they go in with this Hibernia approach again where anyone that's at games in the arena, they had passable crowds, but the real problem was like there's no regular Hibernia team. There's no local identity with that. And it wasn't like it was Ireland on the jersey, like even though it was effectively an Ireland team. So it was hard to really get people behind that. So... Do they look at maybe whoever wins the National League this year representing Ireland? There's obviously going to be issues there with guys getting leave off work, but it was the same as Hibernia because these are also players that get leave off work. So they look at that so you can actually at least get an identity around it. If it's Demons who win the league, then you have the games in Cork. If it's uh, Temple Oak, which is the other likely team to win the league, then it's in Dublin. You can at least build an identity there. The other thing is really, like this entire project is about getting the Irish national team back. We've seen the women are coming back this summer, uh, coming in 2016. So now it's a case of have they done enough to be able to sort of feel confident they can fund a national team playing internationally in Europe next summer as well. What about central contracts? The IRFU did it back in the day when rugby went professional. Uh, Ireland and Irish teams, I should say, struggled in the Heineken Cup when it started. Then we saw them get better and the central contracts were a big part of that. I know it's very easy easy to suggest that it's a lot harder in practicality to put it in there. But if you want Ireland winning games in Europe, if you want the game to develop, you probably do need to put these contracts in. And then, you know, the guys who are contracted can go and coach. They can put something back in. So you get something from it as well as having to give something to it. Well, yeah, there's, there's definitely that, but also you, you would need a situation where these are guys playing on the one team week in, week out as well, then as, as well. Because really? Could you not have two professionals per team and but they work in that region, etc.? Well, that's fine, but the problem is then your actual end product team, you haven't got guys who are used to playing with each other, who are used to training with each other. That's one of the advantages the three teams Hibernia you know, were facing had. These are guys who live together, literally, like in some cases. So, you know, you've got Hibernia, who are a splodge team of guys from all over different clubs. Very little time to work together. Even your full pros, that's got to be limited. So there's opportunities there. And the other obvious thing, which you've got to get to, is money. Like, the money isn't there for the contracts right now. Okay, what about entering a Hibernia team into the British League? It's full-time, it's professional. They could probably do with something uh, from the outside, giving it a boost, giving it something extra. We could do with it over here. I think it would garner interest. And it probably wouldn't harm the clubs that much because the crowds aren't huge going to these games anyway. And they, they'd probably keep the crowds that are there. And if anything, it might increase the crowds because it would increase awareness. Again, a simple suggestion. In practicality, it might be difficult. Uh, well, the British League, the problem there is they're still not where they want to be. Like, There's a couple of clubs who've done great jobs there. Newcastle is the best example, really, of a club you'd want to model on. And I suppose, if anything, it's like, that's who I'm looking, looking to learn from right now. Like, I'd be if I'm a basketball aren't, I'm talking to the guys in Newcastle. If I'm a club here, it's like, how did you build up this local identity to be able to actually get decent crowds for a sport that's very much a minority in the area. This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was Emmett Ryan of the Sunday Business Post and the Ball in Europe website. Interesting times ahead for Basketball Ireland. Of course, next month it's the Cup Finals and that's always a really exciting time in the Irish sporting calendar. In ladies football, Dunamoyne of Monaghan are the All-Ireland Club champions following an 11 points to 8 win against Mourne Abbey at Parnell Park, Mourne Abbey of Cork. Linda Martin made some stunning saves in goal for Dunamoyne who sealed their first All-Ireland title since 2012. Westmeadside Milltown by the way, took the intermediate title. They beat Care of Tip 214 to 212. Dunboyne of Meath won the junior crown, beating Bantry Blues of Cork 110 to 13. So, not a good team, or not a good day, I should say, for teams from the Rebel County there. Uh, let's hear now from Dunamoyne, and afterwards, Jerome Quinn caught up with fullback Hazel Kingham, who popped over two late points to see at home for the Monaghan Ladies. I was lucky. I just thought it's the last game of the year, I might as well go for it. There was nothing else to do when you go for the points. And uh, I got blocked down a few times in the game and I missed them and I just wanted to redeem myself. 
I thought I was about to go off and took the chance and thank God it went over the bar. So you got the first one? I got the And then to get the second one was even more surprising to us. I, I didn't think it was going to go over. I thought it was just going to go wide there, but eventually yeah, it went over the bar and just couldn't be happier. And it was just in the last few seconds, so couldn't, couldn't ask for much better than that. Take me there again. That second one, that was the big one. That You must have thought then that you'd really, you'd done it. Yeah, I thought that was the nail in the coffin. <laughs> they, were, they were on the verge of coming back. There was only, there was only two points in it. And uh, that last point just sent them right back down. The, they would have had to score a goal to come back against us. So them three points really put us over the, the finish line. And a word about your goalkeeper, Linda Martin. A couple of fantastic saves. That's why she's an all-star. Yeah, she fairly showed it today. You know, without her today, we would have been a good few points down. She fairly saved us in the end there. Only for her, like, she's a brilliant, brilliant goalkeeper. There's, there's not much better than her in the country. Our, our um, trainer today, our coach, Noel Marin, said that today someone different had to step up for the game and we all just rely on the same players and today Linda stepped up and did us proud so she's our hero today <laughs> Linda player of the match but I'm sure you have a word for your fullback who disappeared from in front of you and went up and got two fantastic points at the end oh stop Hazel done it she done it in 2012 she done it here today again she scored a point that we were just on about today before the match started out on the wing near the stand side in, in Banaha a couple of years ago so she came up today and done the exact same and she, she can't take it away from her two fantastic points it was all right getting one, but what did you think when she got the second one? <laughs> oh, Hazel's never say you shooting now, so I knew as soon as she got the ball in her hand, there was only one thing on her mind, and that was to get it over the bar and, and help us go on and win it. Before that, there was a crucial point in the match where they went forward. It looked like they were going to get a goal. It was a great move, and you got a block in. Talk to me about that. Ah, well, it sort of came up the field quick enough, and to be honest with you, I, just, I was concentrating on trying to get the backs sorted out and she kicked it and I just came out and sort of tried try to get in the way as, as usual. Hopefully it comes off me somewhere and thankfully it came off me knee and there was one of our girls there to pick it up and, and clear the danger. Yeah, Linda Martin has just showed again how much of a, an all-star goalkeeper she is. She got an all-star this year and ever since she's got it, I think she's improved even. Um, she's been in the semi-final, she pulled off three or four brilliant saves that kept us in the game. And in the first half today, she was just superb. She just she kept us in the game, basically. We, were, we went into the dressing room and we said we were lucky that we were only a point down. They could have had two, two or three easy goals and it was her that kept us in it and she was still pulling off saves there at the end. Eileen is all Ireland winning captain. I think it's time to come clean now and tell me about your your Armagh connections. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose he's been he's, he was there on the sideline. My uncle Dennis, my mum, um, my mum's brother, uncle Dennis, Dennis Stevenson, played for Armagh back in the seventies, and his claim to fame was playing in the nineteen seventy seven All Ireland finals. So he uh, but he didn't win it. He didn't win it. No, but he's always been there to give me the little bit of advice every uh, the night before a game. He'll always give me a ring and give me that little bit of advice. <laughs> Friends of yours? The Courtney's, you can see, they all stick together. <laughs> and if you want to find out what was going on in the background there, as in if you want to actually see it, uh, you can see it on newstalk.com 
forward slash sport the video is up on the website well that's it for the rewind here on News Talk this week we're back next Monday with a review of a big Premier League weekend as well as a massive Champions Cup weekend for Munster and Leinster and hopefully we'll be talking about a Conor McGregor win in the UFC don't forget off the ball on air every night this week from 7 o'clock they're on air this Saturday at 1 and Sunday from 12 I'm back with you every morning this week on Breakfast until next week on the Rewind take care Rewind with Oshin Langan. Wijnaldum through. Oh, brilliant goal! And Newcastle have doubled their lead and taken this victory in St James's Park. They deserved the win. I couldn't see. We were not good enough today. We did not do what we could do. And the referee blows a full-time whistle for, and for the first time ever. Bally Bowden St Enders are the AIB Leinster Senior Club Football Champions. The final score: two nine to one eleven. It's a game Port Leash will wonder how they lost. When we had possession, we won the kick out, done the McCabe, won the break and gave a great ball up to up to Sam who gave it out to Aaron who was in acres of space and was kind of holding the ball up and I was like, what are we doing? We, we have a chance to win this. And uh, I was shouting at him, uh, what did you go for it? Like, yeah. And then uh, and then we got turned over and I was like, oh my God, like we're going extra time. And then the final whistle went and the, the subs ran on and everyone was celebrating and I was just like, did we win the game? I just couldn't believe it. Um, I genuinely thought we were going to extra time. So I was winning it like that, even in Sweden. <laughs>